If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to be picking up uh, verses 7 to 11 this morning. It's good to sing those words, quiet my mind. So let's pray and ask for God's help, because our minds, our thoughts can be racing at times like this. Father, we do still our hearts and our minds before you. You've asked us, commanded us to not worry about anything, but to pray about everything. And the peace of God will guard our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, Lord, from all the racing thoughts, bring your truth to bear upon our lives. May we have ears to hear what you are saying to us, Holy Spirit, this morning. And so may the speaker decrease so that Jesus Christ of Nazareth would increase, for we ask it in his holy name. Amen. Our news this week is, of course, it's been dominating our lives that we've now entered into the strictest tier of lockdown. I think it's tier four, enhanced We learned last week that the Apostle Paul is imprisoned when he's writing this letter to the Philippians. He has found himself bound. He's actually in chains. He is, in a very real sense, locked down. I don't know what tier of lockdown that qualifies as, maybe tier six, enhanced. But the Apostle Paul, in the midst of the most extreme lockdown, believed, and we learn this right throughout the book of Philippians, that he could still be a fruitful Christian. Do you know that you can still be a fruitful Christian even in the midst of lockdown? I was uh, speaking to a precious elderly member of our congregation the other week, and uh, she stays in a care home. That care home has had a a lot of uh, shutdowns, uh, coronavirus has been running rife. Many of the staff are off. They've had to get bank staff to come in. And she is not allowed to leave her room. And this has been the case for quite a long time now. And she was sharing with me, she, she always asks for opportunities, even in old age, that she would be fruitful for Jesus, that she would have opportunities to share good news about Jesus Christ. And she told me she listens to a lot of Christian radio. And on this Christian radio station, they said they were going to have a short communion at noon. And one of the staff came in and she asked the staff member if she would get a a little piece of bread and a small cup of juice. And she was asked by this staff member, "What, what do you want that for? And she said, well... I'm going to take communion. And the staff member said, what is that? She'd never heard the word, and she'd never heard what it was. And so she started to explain to her, this this is what it's about, that this, this bread, we're remembering the body of Jesus who came and died on a cross and gave himself for us. We're remembering his body on the cross and the little cup of juice, and we're remembering the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Do you know what happened at that moment that this staff member started to weep, started to bawl, buckets of of tears. And so our member, she uh, got a Bible for her and gave her a Bible. And you know, she's reading all about Jesus Christ right now. She's learning all 
about him. It's possible still to be fruitful in lockdown, to be a fruitful Christian. And here we find in Philippians chapter 1, we find out what the Apostle Paul was up to in the midst of being totally locked down, and we find him praying. We find out that the Apostle Paul, when he was locked down, he looked up. As Ian Richardson was sharing with us at the prayer meeting this week, he was saying, if you don't, if you don't like the outlook, try the uplook. And as we read today and as we go through uh, this passage systematically, I want us to come out of it saying, yeah, we're, we're, I want to be, to be said of me. When I, I was locked down, I looked up. So let's turn. We're going to pick it up at verse 7. We ended at verse 6 last week. And before we come to this amazing prayer when the Apostle Paul looked up to God, First, I want to just cover something that the commentaries often overlook. Let's read verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you. This is the Philippians. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so, the Apostle Paul is revealing something of his heart here. He's missing them. He is longing to see them. He says, I have you in my heart. The word in Greek is cardia. You know, we get cardiac arrest and things like that. He says, I have you in my heart. And he says, and I'm longing for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. I grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. Maybe you did as well. It reads kind of funny here because it, it, it translates the Greek literally where it says, I, I long for you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. It's the Hebrew idea that that feeling and depth of feeling, we feel it right in here, in our guts, in our bowels. It sometimes sends me off on some funny thoughts because we don't have that idea in English. Imagine we, we did, some of our greatest love songs would sound very, very different. Um, my heart will go on would become my bowels will go on. My achy, breaky bowels would sound very, very different. Not such a great love song. <laughs> uh, the classic, how can you mend a broken bowel? But a jest, but... There's this idea that this is the seat of where we really, really feel things. And I want to tell you that feelings are important. Maybe you've never heard a preacher say that. Maybe you've heard preachers say over and over again, ignore your feelings. And there's a part of, of that which is truth because it's telling us that we cannot trust our feelings. Our feelings are very unreliable. Our feelings can change on a whim. But do not fall into the trap of thinking that feelings then are not important. I heard a very famous Bible teacher, and he was berating a church because he'd gone into the sanctuary and the worship leader had stood up and he began to lead worship, and he'd asked the congregation. He said, can you feel the love of God in this place? And this Bible teacher said, I wanted to shout, no! 
Don't ask me about my feelings. Don't ask me, can I feel anything? Just tell me what the word says. And his audience, as he's listening to him, started clapping and cheering him. They obviously felt pretty good about that. But it is a terribly stunted and cold Christianity that just dismisses our feelings. The Apostle Paul was able to express a depth of feeling for the Philippians. I long for you. I have you in my heart. I'm longing for you with the affection, in the depth of my guts, with the feeling of Jesus Christ. I told you that feelings can be very unreliable. I like what John Bloom says at uh, DesiringGod.org. He says that feelings are, are a gauge, not a guide. We don't rely on our feelings. They can be terrible, terribly unreliable if we take it as our guide for what is right. The world tells us if it feels good, do it. And the Bible says the exact opposite. Do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And so we are not to be guided by our feelings. But that is not to say feelings are not important. They are a gauge. I I bought a a small pump this week to pump up a football that uh, my son got for Christmas. And on that pump uh, is a little gauge. And uh, that gauge tells me uh, the pressure that I've put into the, into the ball or into the, into the airbed or into the, the tire of my bike. But it's just a gauge. It can't tell me if that is the right thing that I should be pumping up. It can't even tell me how much air I'm supposed to put into it. It's just a gauge. And our feelings become a gauge of where our heart is. Jesus said, where where your treasure lies, there your heart is also. And so, if you've got feelings now, they are very real, but they might be in the wrong place because feelings are just a gauge. It's not that they're not real, it's not that they're not very powerful, but they could be in the wrong place. And the only way you can know that is by the Word of God, by His standard. It's not that feelings are unimportant, but they're a gauge, not a guide. Feelings can sometimes be so important. I remember when we reopened the sanctuary for worship a number of months ago when I came in, into the sanctuary, and just seeing the congregation and the tech teams and the the worship teams, and I found myself really emotional. I had missed the fellowship. I'd miss being together. I'd miss gathering together in worship of God. And I believe that was right to feel that way. It was a good thing to feel that way. The Apostle Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So our feelings, they're a a gauge not a guide. And then he says, right in the heart of these verses, why he longed for them. He says, verse 5, because of your, um, he says, for whether I am in chains, that's in prison, or defending and confirming the gospel, that word defending there is apologia, um, 
from which we get the English word apologetics, giving a reason for the hope that is within you. Whether I'm doing that or confirming the gospel, um, I think the Greek word there is babaios, which means to to, uh, live out a testimony, give a testimony through your life. So whether I'm in chains in prison, whether I'm in lockdown, he's saying, whether I am standing up for Jesus and defending the faith, or whether I am living out that faith or sharing my testimony, he says, this is what we're all having in common. All of you share in God's grace with me. You see, this is the, the level ground at the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the great leveler for every single one of us, that the same grace that I needed in order to be saved is the same grace that you need in order to be saved. The the same grace that was extended to the Apostle Paul when he was Saul and hated Christians, persecuted Christians, put them in prison, that same grace that was extended to him is exactly the same grace that saved the Philippians and saved you and saved me. You all know uh, the hymn, Amazing Grace. We can all sing that in all truthfulness. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If you've been coming to Holy Trinity for any length of time, you will have had this verse imprinted upon your mind, Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, this grace is extended, freely extended through Jesus Christ our Lord, and it's extended to you today. No matter how many bad things you've done, no matter how many good things you've done, no matter matter what the mess you've got yourself in, this grace has been extended to you, just as it was to Paul, just as it was to the Philippians, just as it was to me, it's extended to you right now. Don't be that person that, that, that resists the grace of God that denies the grace of God. You need that grace today. You can't, you can't earn it. You can't do enough to pay for it. You, you can't work your way to salvation. You need God's grace, and it is offered to you through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not that, that works don't matter. It's just that they can't give you salvation. The verse went on to say that God created us for good works, We weren't saved by good works, but we were saved to do good works, which God has planned in advance for us to do. The trouble is, you see, before we come to Christ, before we receive that grace of God that saves us, all the the good things we can try and do for God are all tainted by sin. I heard one uh, pastor illustrating uh, it like this. He was remembering when he was a small boy and he, he, he was out playing in the street with his friends and he was out for hours and it, it was very muddy outside and his mum called him in into the house because he hadn't done his chores. And so she calls him in and he comes into the door and he appears at the door and he is just caked in mud. He's filthy from top to toe. His hair is, is covered in mud. His clothes are filthy. His shoes are full of, are full of mud. And he just takes one look at his mum and says, Mum, I'm ready. What do you want me to do? And his mum just looks at him like, 
we're going to get you cleaned up first. And she strips him down and she throws him in the bath and she cleans him up and she washes, washes his hair and uh, she puts on new clothes on him. And then she says, now you're ready. Now you're ready to do your chores. And it's a bit like that. We need to come to Jesus Christ. We need to use the Bible's language. We need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, to have all the mud and the filth that we pick up, things that we have done in our lives that are offensive to God. We need to get cleaned up through Jesus Christ, and we need new clothes on, and we need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that happens by the grace of God when you receive and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when, and when he does that, then you're ready, and then you can say, ready, Lord, what do you want me? to do. We all share, the Apostle Paul says, in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on to this amazing prayer then, this prayer of lockdown that the Apostle Paul goes on to say. Verse 9, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Those of you who were following in 2020, the Bible in one year, B-I-Y-O, if you want to look at that app uh, and get it on your phone. Uh, every day, we're going through the whole Bible in one year uh, using some of the resources that uh, Holy Trinity Brompton through Nikki Gumbel has brought together. It's a, it was an incredible resource. It is an amazing resource. And in fact, if uh, you go on it now, there's also an express version. It takes just 10 minutes a day. There's also a youth version, and I'd encourage you uh, to check that out in 2021. But you may remember last year that uh, Nikki Gumbel spoke about three, uh, three uh, ways of Christian growth, three types of Christian growth. To grow in love, to grow in knowledge, and to grow in holiness. We actually find those three types of, of growth here in the lockdown prayer of the Apostle Paul. Listen to it. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. The picture there of that love abounding is of a river bursting its banks. In Romans 5.5, 5, we find out that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And don't, you know this is true. It's so easy within a lockdown situation to become very insular. As I look at the news, uh, as I look at our world and our, our communities, it's very easy for, for our love to grow cold. And in fact, Jesus warned about the end days when the love of most would grow cold. And so we, we, we're crying out to God, Lord, don't let my love grow cold. We're crying out in prayer, Holy Spirit, would you pour the Father's love into my heart that it might overflow in my life because I want to grow in this love. I don't want to become insular. I don't want to become purely inward lucky. I want to grow in this way. I want to grow in love that it reaches out into other people. And this is what the Apostle Paul is praying for the Philippians, praying for himself, praying for you. He invites you to join him to do the same. This is my prayer, that your love 
may abound more and more. And then he goes on to pray about growing in knowledge, that, that it grow to more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So he's saying, I want to grow in this knowledge and depth of insight. My growth in knowledge in God did not end when I finished my divinity degree in Aberdeen University 20 years ago. I didn't stop my theological education even when I went on years later to do a master's in theology. This is a lifelong call into my life, into your life, that we would grow in the knowledge of the Lord and we'd grow in depth of insight. And why would we want that? Why would we pray for that in lockdown? So that, he says, we may be able to discern what is best. So this is not primarily about being able to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong, but about distinguishing what is best. You may have heard me saying in the past that even good things can be the enemy of the best. The good can be the enemy of the best. There's so many things, so many distractions that we can distract ourselves with in the midst of a lockdown. And they may be not wrong in themselves. They may even be good in themselves. But the question is, are they God's best for me? Is it what God has for me? And so we need to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. And this is, that, this is the prayer Paul is praying. He's praying for the Philippians, praying for himself, praying for you. We're invited to join him in the same prayer that we would grow in knowledge. So growth in love, growth in knowledge. And then finally, growth in holiness. Ian spoke about holiness, meaning being set apart. That's a, a wonderful definition. You've been set apart for God, and we want to find out what that might look like in our lives, even in the midst of, of lockdown. But listen to what he says in this particular prayer, so that you might be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. Pure and blameless. That word blameless there in Greek, Greek is literally without wax. You know, back in the days that Paul's writing, all containers, the pots and the pans and the jars, they're all made of clay. And there would be businesses that would, that would make these clay jars and these clay pots. And more often than not, there are imperfections in those jars and those clay jars. It doesn't mean that they're totally useless. But if they found one that didn't have any blemishes, they would actually put a stamp on it and it would say, without wax. It's this word here, blameless, it's translated blameless here. And so Paul is praying that, that he might grow in this holiness, that he would literally be without wax. In other words, that when we come to Christ, it's not that God just fixes us up a little bit that he puts a, a bit of, of wax to smooth over the rough edges. It's that Christ makes us a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 
And the prayer here is, Lord, I want to grow in holiness. I want to be like you. I want to be pure without blemish so that I can be a vessel that can carry something of you when I'm meeting with others, when I phone others, when I, when, when, when I meet with others, when I call upon them, when I, when I, when I serve them. I want to bring something of you. When I teach the Word of God, I want to bring something that, that, that Christ, you're in me. And I want to be a vessel that's holy. Growth in love, growth in knowledge, growth in holiness. And then he just adds this, until the day of Christ Jesus. He said it already when we heard last week that he was, the Apostle Paul was confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it out until the day of Christ Jesus. Sometimes it's called the day of the Lord. Sometimes in the Bible it's called the day. But what, whatever you name it, there is a day that is coming when Christ is going to be revealed. He's going to come on the clouds in glory, and he's coming to reign. It is a day of freedom for the whole creation and for all who are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, for those that, are, that love him and are called according to his purpose. But it's also not only a day of freedom, it's also a day of fear. Jesus spoke about that time that there would be men and women crying out for the rocks to fall upon them because of the dreadful day of the Lord. It's a day of freedom. It's a day of fear. It's a day of justice. Where, to use C.S. Lewis's uh, phrase, uh, you'll, you'll know that phrase that, that rights will be made, uh, wrongs will be made right when Aslan comes in sight. There's so much injustice in our world. Some of you are really passionate about some of those injustices, but there is a day that is coming where Jesus will set wrongs right. But it's not only a day of justice, but also a day of judgment, where every deed and every word that I've spoken will be brought under the searing eye of the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom has been given all judgment. The Apostle Paul says we're waiting for that day. He's already mentioned it twice, just in the first few verses of Philippians. He's expecting the Philippian church to be living in expectation that Jesus is returning. And maybe that's something that you've let slide in your Christian life because it's been a long time. And it probably deserves a whole sermon series on its own. But one of the questions that I often, often hear is that can, can Jesus come back at any moment? And I suppose you would expect me to say straight away, yeah, Jesus can come back at any moment. But when we read the Bible, it is not as simple as that. Jesus said that the day would come unexpectedly. It would come like a thief in the night. No, no one will be expecting it. It'll come at an unexpected time. But he also said that there were things that would have to happen before his return. He spoke about the temple not having one, uh, one stone left on one another in, in Jerusalem. And when he spoke the words that that day was coming... That didn't happen until A.D. 70. So Jesus could not have come back at any time between A.D. 33 and A.D. 70. So it's not as simple to say that Jesus could come back at any time. And so how do we square that with the New Testament teaching and Jesus' teaching that you are to be ready? I like what the theologian Wayne Grudem 
uh, does. He says that whenever I get into my car, I always put my seatbelt on. And I do that even though it's unlikely that I'll be involved in an accident. In other words, there are mysteries in the New Testament, prophecies in the New Testament, some of which have been fulfilled, some of which don't seem to be fulfilled, although we could be wrong about that and they could have all have been fulfilled. And even though we might feel that there are things that are going to happen before Jesus returns, we are still to put the seatbelt on. We are still to live in readiness that Jesus could come back at any moment and to be ready and excited that he is coming back to set wrongs right. He's coming back to reign. He's coming back for all who share in this grace of God that the Philippians shared in, that the Apostle Paul shared in, that you and I share in through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is going to be my lockdown prayer. I invite it to be your lockdown prayer that you might grow in love, abound in love, that you might grow in knowledge, that you might grow in holiness. And just like a tree or a plant, growth means fruitfulness. Something that's growing produces fruit. And that's where he ends up in verse 11. He says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's just come before God in prayer. Father God, we long to be fruitful in the midst of this latest lockdown. Lord, I confess that many of us are struggling right now. Some of us will be dreading educating our children at home again. Some of us will be feeling antsy and just wanting to get out and about. Some of us will be feeling useless and asking the question, what, what am I supposed to do? Thank you, Lord, for the Apostle Paul's example. Completely locked down, yet believing with all his heart that what had happened to him in being in prison really served to advance the gospel. Help us to join with him in that wonderful prayer. Praying, Lord, that we might grow in love, that we might grow in knowledge, that we might grow in holiness. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.